Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good afternoon to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with our producer and co-host, Chris Whitler. Howdy. Fresh back from Kentucky. That's right. You know, that's beautiful country. It's I've lovely. Been, been, it was so good to be back there in the fall. And your family awesome. is back there, yeah. right? Yeah, my Gave dad and my sister. Cool. You know, I... Uh, I've been back there a couple of times for conventions and it's just, you know, there's green spots in Kentucky that are unlike anywhere else here. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, uh, the beautiful, rolling hills. The rolling hills. Yeah. And, and in fact, my wife did her um, internship as a nurse practitioner in the hollers of Kentucky. Way, <laughs> way, way back. I don't think anybody there is probably listening to this broadcast. I don't think. Maybe but, not. Uh, I, no. I have family in the hall. Do you really? I do. No kidding. Yeah, my, my cousin Darren, his name is one syllable there. Darn. Darn. And my name, when my aunt talks to me, my name is two syllables. Creus. Creus? <laughs> well, Creus! <laughs> well, uh, well, Lori delivered their babies and, mm-hmm. and just, uh, and, and learned to announce herself before she walked onto properties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back here to Lighthouse Live. Great to have you with us. Also with us, of course, our faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey. And uh, we'll be getting to our special guest today and a very special subject in just a moment. Before we do that, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do if they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of another real-life Jesus freak. It's 1890, China. Chang, a thief and a womanizer, had gone blind. But when his eyesight is partially restored at the mission hospital, he gratefully accepts Jesus as his savior. A missionary testing Chang to make sure his conversion is genuine and not just emotional gives him a challenge. Go and tell your neighbors how you have changed. When I visit, if you are still following Jesus, I will baptize you. Five months later, the missionary is astonished to see 400 others waiting with Chang to be baptized. In the years to follow, Chang would lead thousands to salvation before he is beheaded, a martyr for the gospel of Christ. Get a global perspective from the voice of the martyrs. Go online to persecution.com. And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Just a reminder, if you're interested in uh, volunteering and getting the church outside the four walls into the community to serve, uh, check out our website at vibrantcommunities.org, Vibrant communities.org. 
There's some 500, I think, opportunities to serve up there right now. Our uh, office manager, Brenda Lopomi, with us, nodding enthusiastically. We just, uh, <laughs> a lot of opportunities to uh, be Jesus with skin on out in the community. And if you check the website, for those of you outside uh, our area, by the way, just a wonderful technology that we use called Meet the Need. Meet the Need. It is powerful. It is free. And uh, it can radically uh, enhance your ministry. Happy to talk to you about that. You can also give us a call here at Advancing Vibrant Communities and Lighthouse Live at 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. You know what else they can do? They can follow us on Facebook. Awesome. And I mean, they can like us. On they Facebook. can like us on yeah. Facebook. And, yeah. and, and I, I am now a twit. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not what it's called. Right when you're on Twitter. Yeah. That is not being a twit. It's follow no. on Twitter. Follow on Twitter. Like okay. on Facebook and uh, whatever you do on Google Plus. I don't know. You know, I, I don't but, have uh, my head wrapped around Google Plus I don't yet. Either we're trying to get it going. Yeah, I'm kind of Google minus <laughs> at this point, but uh, I kind of I can kind of do Facebook, kind of do uh, Twitter, but Google Plus is a little bit beyond me. And there are other, a lot of things beyond me. Other That's opportunities it. you can you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, you'll get automatic updates whenever we post content up there. You can also subscribe to this podcast in uh, iTunes, and uh, you will get that downloaded to your pod or phone or computer or Google Glasses. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, lots of, yeah, lots of stuff cool. available out there. Chris, by the way, if you're local here in the listening area, Stanislaus County, uh, a major event coming up, and this kind of aligns with uh, our participation in Project Ceasefire, mm-hmm. which is an effort to uh, reduce gang violence in a radical way. And uh, on October 26th, That's Saturday... Right. I found the name. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, you can give the name then. Stop right? the violence. Stop the violence. Yeah, what a concept, <laughs> isn't it? And there'll be a march, right, to uh, to stop the violence on the 26th, and it starts, I think, it's one o'clock. So one, o'clock? one o'clock. Mm-hmm. One o'clock in the uh, afternoon. I believe it starts at Caesar Chavez Park. Is yes, that correct here mm-hmm. in, uh, in in West Modesto. And then they march into downtown. I encourage you to come and participate with that. Our, our good friend uh, Alfred uh, with Project Ceasefire and Youth for Christ. Yeah. Uh, really a walking point on that. Yeah. Very important effort. Yeah, a way to send a message to the community. I'm sure to the to the to the gang uh, members out there that we just want peace here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we want it. To stop. You know, and it takes the community collaboration across a lot of things. You can't just rely on Project Ceasefire. You can't just rely on putting more cops on the street. Talking to Mike Harden, our, our chief emeritus, uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, I just want to reiterate, you, you can't arrest yourself out of the gang problem. You know, a bazillion cops out there are not going to change it. It's going to be heart change, and it's going to be strengthening the family and our communities. And that points are directly back at the church. Mm-hmm. That's our yeah. responsibility. Yeah. And we, we can't point fingers on that. We need to take ownership of that. And, and really this is, this is part of it to show the community, you know what? The church cares about this too. And we're going to be right alongside you. Yes. Well, Chris, why don't you introduce our guest today and, uh, let's find out what Deborah is doing in our community. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a couple of months ago. I met Deborah at, uh, Huckleberries of all places. Uh, we met together as part of a new network in town that cares about, uh, that is working, uh, to, uh, with the homeless and the poor here mm-hmm. in our city. And Deborah showed up and I'd never met her before. But, uh, as I started to hear her story, which we're going to hear this afternoon, 
I uh, was just amazed at uh, the amount of impact one committed person can mm-hmm. have uh, in a community. So uh, this is uh, Deborah Perry, and she's here to to speak with us this afternoon. So welcome. Hello. Deborah. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that meeting was pretty funny when I first showed up because everybody there at the meeting had what I felt at the time a significant role in this community as far as, oh, I'm with Interfaith Ministries and I'm with Modesto Gospel Mission. And it got to me and I'm like, I'm a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the oddball. Um, but actually, my testimony is that um, I grew up born and raised in Modesto and um, actually out in the country. And my only experience really with homeless people was they were in downtown. They weren't in regular neighborhoods. And so when I got married and we moved on to Sherwood Avenue, I had homeless people in my park. And um, at the time, I was pregnant and excited to use the park when my daughter was born. And uh, it really upset me that we had to play in the park and mm. that there were homeless people sitting by the benches. And really, now hindsight was ignorance to um, the street life and what that entails. But at the time, I almost became a vigilante in my neighborhood and mm. wanted to have petitions signed to get them out of there and such. And... Thankfully, the wisdom of my husband stopped and said, don't draw attention to ourself. Please don't do that. So mm. <clears throat> that was wise at the time. But fast forward to 2011, um, I was an avid walker every day in my neighborhood and with my dog. And um, same guy there all the time, every day for years. I walked by him and said, you know, good morning, good morning. It's going to be hot, going to be cold. And just placated him. And um, in October 2011, God just seriously stopped my heart and said, look that man in the eyes mm-hmm. and ask him what he needs. And I, when you hear God say that, you stop. And so it was my day off and I had time and I stopped and I just, I knew his name. I said, well, good morning, Ernie. And he looked at me like, okay, good morning. And <laughs> I said, hey, you know what? Is there anything you need today? And he literally looked at me like, really? You're really asking me finally? And he said, yeah, actually my, my zipper on my pullover broke and I can't fix it. So I'm cold and I lost my place to sleep. So I'm out in the open now and, and I don't have a blanket. Coffee would be awesome. And that's about it. And it was like, wow, that was really easy. Hmm. Okay. I'll be right back. And I thought, well, I don't fix zippers, but my husband sure has a lot of stuff. So I raided his closet and I have plenty of blankets. And <laughs> Wait, was he away at the time? He was, okay. he was at work. <laughs> he had no idea. I'll teach you to go to work. That's right. right. So I uh, headed back to the park excitedly. I made him a breakfast burrito and I put a little daily bread in there and I, I just talked with him briefly and I walked away and I thought, that was really easy. Mm. He wasn't scary at all. Mm. He didn't growl at me. And <laughs> so then it just became every day as I was doing my devotions and ready to head out on a walk, I would just say, God, well, who do you got for me? What do you want me to do today? And it kind of became, well, you're making a breakfast burrito. Why don't you make another and see who's out there? And sometimes it would be Ernie. Sometimes it would be more. Sometimes it'd be two, three, and four. And I had to go to work, but I'd hurry and come home and I'd make another burrito and I'd bring it out. And so pretty soon they multiplied and, um, it, it was, it became really interesting to hear true life stories of people on the streets and they all got there for different reasons. And, um, they all have families. They all had a life at one point before they were there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so God just did tremendous things in my heart with them. And, um, it, it has been, an interesting path to get there to convince my husband that God told me to do this. 
Once I was a vigilante, now he's telling me to hang out with them. <laughs> and the majority population in our neighborhood, as most on the street, are men. So I'm with men mm-hmm. that have substance problems. Um, but you know what? I feel that I have the angel with me and that God's telling me to go out and to be a different voice. And I never beat them over the head with the Lord. I never push them into, mm. you need to do this, but I just make myself available. It's kind of the way Jesus did it. Yeah, him, yeah. yeah. And I have really formed close relationships now with several of them. Um, and God was awesome through a series of long events and really cool story. But um, I fell really... Um, in close contact with one gentleman who I could just really tell he had a burden and, but he had a relationship with the Lord. And every time we talked, it came out, he'd cry and there was just something about him. And through a series of events, I learned about teen challenge and what they offered. And, um, I was able to present this to him and ask him if he wanted to. And he said, it sounds like hope to me. Mm. And, it was a crazy wild ride for a week of trying to get him to doctor's appointments and all the things you need to do to go to Pajaro to be, um, that's their first intake station there mm-hmm. is in Pajaro and, um, crazy stuff from stabbings to old girlfriends to him being just blasted drunk. But every time he showed up, every time we had an appointment, my mom was a big help to me at this point. And, um, so I'm, I'm so thankful to say he's now 18 months sober. He um, had lived on the streets 14 years mm-hmm. and um, has three children, had a wife, had a life, had everything before addiction took him and took everything from mm-hmm. him. And so he's now my brother to me. He's our family member. Um, we support him with letters and love and things. And God blessed again. His sister called us up. He has three, uh, two other siblings. And she too, both of them actually struggle with substance and she too is a five time DUI and she too has two children and an ex-husband and a family and she called on us. And so she's now 40 days sober at Teen Challenge. So how cool to touch two members of a family and give them back hope and give them the protection of God's umbrella and the family that that offers. And so I'm just on fire now and it's just really been a blessing to get my daughter involved and my husband helps now and my mom and dad are amazing and my clients um, that were just totally, whoa, I can't believe you're going out and doing this and aren't you scared? And You mean your clients at the salon? At the salon, yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's actually given them an avenue to help too because maybe they aren't fit for or called to go out on the street and necessarily get in the trenches, but they're helping me. So I have lovely clients that donate money to me, which is my then opportunity to meet needs more, whether it's a clothing item I don't have currently um, or a food or anything else. Um, but then they also bring me their clothes. And so I'll put a shout out on Facebook and I'll say, Hey, I need some men's pants. I need some shoes. And so I get blessed with shoes and then they feel like they're part of it too. And yeah. so that's been really cool to, and then I send them a thank you and I say, you know, your money went towards this and, and this is how you help so-and-so. So that's been a really cool opportunity for that to add a chained on effect that not everybody's cut to go out and sit in the park and talk with, you know, the poor and mm-hmm. the downtrodden. And I can see where that would be scary. Cause I was, I was scared, mm-hmm. but I'm so thankful that God gave me this gift. It's, it's so cool to sit with people and hear their stories and just have your heart broken for their path that they've got to. And I'm not about putting them in a program, but if one of them wants to, I will get them there. And otherwise I'm just there to love and serve and meet their needs. And 
it's been a really cool blessing and a really cool relationship. So through that, Philip, the gentleman I was speaking of, that's the 18 months sober now, um, he coined me Dragonfly on the street. So mm. I'm now known as Dragonfly, and in my general three, four mile radius there, um, people will kind of give a, hey, have you seen Dragonfly? And <laughs> I need to get a hold of Dragonfly. Now explain that whole part of the street culture. Uh, everybody has a street. Everybody has a street name. Yeah. And uh, it became very apparent to me a couple months into hanging out with them and uh, they had cool names. They had, yeah. you know, they were outlaw and the devil and they had other tough names. And they'd call me the church lady. And I'd say, oh, come on, guys. I mean, they said, well, well, you are. You're the church lady. Are you, are you not proud of being? I said, no, no, I'm, I am proud of being the church lady. I want a be, cool but name. But I want a cool name. Yeah. But you don't want to be Dana Carvey. Right. Yeah. 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 So one day I walked up and I just, hey guys, how's it going? And they were so excited. And they said, hey, we got your name. We got your name for you. You're the dragonfly. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's, and they, they sat there and totally told me how they had talked about it and went over and over different names. And, and I thought that is just so funny that they were sitting there. What shall we call her? You yeah, know, what, she wants what's a name. What's the meaning behind dragonfly? Did, did they, did they have a specific reason why they named you? They that? did. They, they had several different random things from its beauty to its, it, they actually, dragonflies are kind of vicious. They do kind of have teeth and they eat things and tear things <laughs> apart. So they kind of had a little tough side to me, but also the colors and how I just fly around and I'm helping people and, they had several different. It was a very fun day to walk away from the park and ah, I got a street name. That's yeah. pretty cool. You were I, in. I was in. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um now I'm known when they say, "Hey, have you seen Dragonfly?" Oh, you're the Dragonfly. So pretty cool and for Philip and I to have that bond together now. So pretty neat. And they also know, "Oh, you're the girl who gets people on programs." It's like, well, if you want to, I will help you get in a program, but otherwise I'm here to just love and meet your needs. You know, I had a conversation yesterday, Chris, with uh, Tom White. <clears throat> Tom White is its one of the movers and shakers, number one, of, of prayer intercession across the country, and number two, of the city-reaching movement, of which you, you really are the cover girl for that. Yeah. I mean, you, you are what city-reaching is all about, Deborah. And, and Tom mentioned to me yesterday, uh, I asked him a question about, do we need to change our strategies? Because, you know, the, what, what we're doing is just not working, staying within the four walls. And he says, you know, Mike, what we what we do that's killing city-reaching movements is this tendency of the, of the, especially the bigger churches, to publicize, monetize, and franchise what God is doing. Mm. Publicize, monetize, and franchise. He says, we get out of the way and just let God move exactly as he's doing with you, Deborah. Look what he's doing. Yeah. Through yeah. one, through one person, and there was no strategy involved. No. It was you responding to Christ being out there, and man, that's where, that's where God touches down. It took a lot of, uh, obedience on my part. I had a lot of opposition, be it from mm. my um, owner at the salon at times. Mm. wouldn't let, I, I cut hair. I think it's a gift to give somebody the washing of their hair and to cut their hair. And so I had to face a lot of opposition with, they were scared, you know, and, and what they were going to bring into this environment. And uh, my husband, we actually, during the first early months of God telling me to do this and seeking out, we had our house attempted um, we had home invasion attempt. We had two, um, his truck broken into twice and that had nothing to do with the people I was serving, yeah. but that was the devil. Just and the that enemy, was, yeah. yes, mm -hmm. that was trying to discourage. And it really was trying to put my husband 
against what I was doing also, even though he was, I'm proud of you and that's great, but you're my wife and how can I let you go sit out at a park and sit with these guys and draw attention to where we live. And, Mm -hmm. and now fast forward, like we have several that come over just to help fix their carts and their, their baby carriages or whatever they're carrying their stuff in. And he lets me cut their hair at our house now because I'm not allowed at my salon yet. And so he's, his barriers have come down for that reason. And and that's been really cool to see him grow and, and have a relationship too with them. And you know what? The street people, they really, they would say often, they'd say, well, what about your husband? Does he know he, that you're out here yeah. doing this? <laughs> Where is he? You know, and so that's been really cool now that that he's grown to do that. But um, it, it's it's definitely been a cool thing to hear them say when I meet someone just cold and I start talking to them. What is your name? So what did you do today? And I just ask normal. So how's it going? What do you know? That's my famous thing. What do you know? What do you guys know? So then I know. And they'll say at the end of the con- do you know Jesus? And I didn't even have to say anything about Jesus, but then mm-hmm. that opens the opportunity for me to say, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Do you? Mm-hmm. So what is the, um, cost of your overhead? Like your off, your, your offices for your ministry and, uh, all the bills that you have for you. What is the, what is the, your 501c3 must have been very difficult <laughs> yes, to get. Yes. Like, <laughs> what is, <laughs> Thankfully, that's, that's very funny. Yes. Thankfully, uh, it's been pretty cool to watch people, um, just feel led to give to me. And I respect that. I in no way would ever, ever take for granted even $10 that somebody says, can you do something with this? Yes, I can. And I do. And I send them a thank you and I make sure they know who they blessed by doing that. But oftentimes it's just the forwarding of goods like you guys do here at ABC. It's it's the same kind of thing. I'll put out a shout out, hey, I need men's tennis shoes, size 10 and a half to 12. And then they come in and it didn't cost anybody anything. And if they wanted to go buy new, that's awesome. If they don't, it was just passing on things in your own home. Oh yeah, I needed to clean out my husband's closet. Here you go. And even actually two weeks ago, I had a, a nice um, lunch of chili dogs up at the park and chips and fruit and stuff for anybody who came and we handed out flyers. And then I had just really taken a huge donation of clothing and jackets and sleeping bags and things for the winter. And, um, somebody had given random dress clothes and I thought almost at the moment, like, Oh, nobody's going to really need these dress pants and shirts. Well, two guys came that I'd never even met before, but they had heard about what we were doing. And so they came up and he asked for, Hey, would you happen to have any dress clothes? Why, yes, I do. And it was so cool that here I was able to supply. And they sat there and they thought, well, we could tailor this and mom could do this and that and pull in the sides. And they made that work. And that was so cool that somebody felt led to give the dress pants and the shirts and they worked for somebody. And I don't know what they're going to do with them, but it was really cool. And out of that group, a gentleman showed up I'd never met before. And he had a heavy burden on him, you could tell. And we were able to talk to the Lord, um, talk to him about the Lord and pray with him and get him hooked up in God's way out. And it's like for out of 17 people that showed up, maybe that day was just really for this one guy. And mm-hmm. that was so cool. And just to make a provision for these other guys, dress clothes, who knew? And maybe they're going to go out and get a job as a result of that. That'd be awesome. Something so simple, but a lot of it was just fellowship. And that's really cool too. You know, Mike, you were talking about um, the man saying that this is the kind of the face of the new way of ministry in cities. What if the people in our congregations all took up something like this? 
what what impact would that have on our city? You know, you, you think, Chris, God looking down on a Sunday, let's pick a Sunday morning. I know there are some on Saturday nights or something. Mm-hmm. That's a typical Sunday morning. God's looking down from his throne room at all his churches and all the folks sitting in the seats. And you look at one, Deborah, and what he has done through one person who said, I'll be available and I'll answer the call. If each one of those people in those seats on a typical, and here on a typical uh, Sunday morning, couple of years, about seven, well, about probably 10, 12 years now, we did a survey. How many people are actually in a church? And we're talking about not not the, you know, church of satanic, what's happening now, but, you know, <laughs> a Christian church. How many, there were somewhere between 32 to 40,000 people. Can you imagine what would happen if there were thirty-two to 40,000 Deborah Perrys out there? Yeah. Just loving on people. We would turn, God would turn this community uh, mm-hmm. upside. I mean, I, I can see a new movie here, From Terminator to Dragonfly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is, is, is going to be cool. Yeah. yeah, like, and it doesn't have to be no, homelessness. Not a, no. It can any, any yeah, kind of Yeah, it could be your thing. neighbor. It could be, you know, if you have that struggling family in your neighborhood that you just know needs a little something extra, go over. Say hi. What do you need? Can I meet your need? What do you need? Is there anything I can do for you? So, Deborah, through this journey, did any particular uh, scriptures or scriptural principles yes. pop out at you and yes. take on brand new meaning? Well, God gave me First John three eighteen. Mm. So that's the verse I I cling to and am reminded of. And when I went and got my dragonfly tattoo, that's the verse that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the verse that's with it. So I have First John three eighteen and a dragonfly tattoo to remind me that that's what he called me to do. And it wasn't just a temporary thing. It wasn't just in the moment um, to do that, but this is what he's called me to do mm. and to encourage others to do it on their level that's comfortable to them. Now, for those of us who don't have the Bible memorized, do you know First John 3.18? Dear children, let us not love with mere words, but with truth and with deeds. Mm-hmm. Many different versions, but yeah. So you know, put it you, into action. Don't just say it. Put it into action. Mm-hmm. You are such a breath of fresh air. Thanks. I am telling you, there are ministries and churches across this nation who would look at your story and just go, yes, this yeah. is what we've been waiting for. Well, I think it's really funny because at first I was intimidated, of course, obviously oh, yeah. being a female going out there. Um, and I don't, I don't go out like I went to work. I go out in a ball cap and I downplay, but I thought, God, really me, a woman, come on, you know, but it actually is pretty cool. I go out there with the power um, of the Lord behind me, and I've sat in circles with them just cussing and swearing, and I'll say, and they'll, they'll go, oh, no, 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 she's a lady. Talk like a lady out here. And then at times I'll say, no, no, you guys carry on. Talk how you want to talk. I'll just go. And, you know, Or we have these funny in circles that I really know the people. We have the funny. We'll say, okay, that's a level 10 cuss word. You need to take that down. And they're like, oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I can handle one through four because, you know, I believe in getting dirty. You don't need to get stained. So that's what I'm about and uh you know but they respect me and they respect when I'm out there I I go out there with a healthy fear you bet but um nobody's ever said boo to me and they have literally said to me we will take someone out if they look at you wrong yes yeah. we will we'll go down Chris one of the most powerful things we we hear here is what we've been stressing for a long time and that is building a relationship yes. mm-hmm. with the people and you know a, a hit and run type mm-hmm. thing yeah. you know hit and run evangelism just, I think, is counterproductive. Yeah. But you've mm-hmm. taken the time to build a relationship, to build trust. Yeah. And, man, that's where the power is. Yeah. Well, the first guy, Ernie, I was speaking of, the, the day God told me, we have such a close relationship now that I'm his bank. 
He brings his money to me mm-hmm. and I keep it for him in an envelope and we keep a tally and I'm helping him with a budget on that. I do his laundry. I mean, and he has literally looked me in the eye and said, you are one of my only friends I know I can trust. So you're really the park mom too, aren't pretty you? Pretty much. You have a lot of children out there. Yes, pretty yeah, much. A lot of disciples. Yes, yes. What and a great opportunity. A lot of dirty laundry to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do their laundry and wow. <laughs> return it back to them at times when they need it. You know, they're, yeah. they're, we have a lot in this community to offer for the homeless and the poor. Um, but a few things lacking is laundry. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about it, um, they pretty much dispose of their clothes. Right. But um, a lot of them hold on to them, and just to do a load of laundry for them is such a pleasure. You know, one of the one of the powerful dynamics is when a believer's story enters the story of a hurting person. It's when the two stories start to mesh, and I think, and, and you've already told us in one case about taking the time to hear the story. You know, so oftentimes we look at a gangbanger, or we look at a homeless person, we we. We brush them with a broad brush. That That's mm-hmm. who they are. Yeah. Never stop to get the story. And I imagine there's probably two or three others it's that impressed you. It's been fascinating. Right? It's just they've lived more lives than I could ever have read about in books and imagined. Mm-hmm. And I've just lived in Modesto my whole life, born and raised by generations of Christians, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm blonde and blue-eyed. So what do I have? They have awesome stories of things they've been through. I couldn't even imagine. And the grace that I just have to bestow them with what they're up to and the reason why. And you can see the hurt. You can see the hole in their heart that they are trying to fill with addictions and things that needs to be filled with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so if we can be Jesus with, you know, flesh to meet them and meet their needs, yeah. And eventually bring them to Christ, you bet. Absolutely. And solve an addiction in the process, yeah. Yeah, so many people would just love to see that community just move on. Mm-hmm. And um mm-hmm. it, it it takes a lot to change your mind, but they are our neighbors. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. when Jesus answered the question, who is my neighbor? Yeah. He pointed to a person that was broken and bleeding and mm-hmm. desperate. Mm-hmm. And um they're our neighbors too, yep. you know, just well, because they don't have houses. Yeah. 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 And some of them have been pretty crazy stories, but others have just been pretty familiar ones like Philip that I was speaking of. I mean, he, he did come from a family that was broken and had addictions and didn't know his father. But for the most part, he trooped through life normal, graduated high school, married his high school sweetheart, had three kids, had a home. And pretty soon alcohol just gripped him and took everything from him and Mm. then spent 14 years wandering around the streets to not have a relationship with his children and to have a broken marriage. And how close is anyone to that? Mm. You know, really? And so how awesome to give him a relationship again with his kids. His daughter is 14 and really doesn't know him because about that time is when he disbanded from the home. And Mm. how cool would that be Mm. that through his, then they would know Jesus Mm. and they would know their father now and have an opportunity to have the rest of their life with their dad. Mm. And that's what he's gripping and looking for and holding on to hope. Mm -hmm. He's currently in um, Eureka now. He transferred to the Teen Challenge unit up in Eureka. And then from there, he's at the gospel mission there now, finishing their life program. And he's doing awesome and he's a great man that he tells cool stories and he has lived more in that 14 years on the streets than I can ever imagine the adventures he took. And so cool to call him part of my family now. Mm. And now his sister getting to know her too. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. 
So we're out to get number three, that's for sure. <laughs> that's what yeah. my family laughs about. We've got to find the brother. That'd be cool. We can kind of pass over it, but it reminds me of that uh, s- scripture where Jesus was saying, you know, the devil r- roams about like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. Mm. Yeah. And we see the remnants of that all over our streets. Yeah. And then he says, but I've come that you can have life. Mm-hmm. And and life more abundant. Yeah. You know? And even if like someone like Philip did know the Lord before, as he said he had he in jail, in fact, had met the Lord and been baptized, it doesn't mean that obviously Satan can't snatch him from heaven, but he can sure defeat him mm-hmm. and not have him live a productive life and not do anything for the kingdom and not live in, you know, freedom of in Christ. And yeah. if Satan can win that way, yeah, he'll do that. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think, Chris, the other uh, principle we're looking at here is so often in our Western church approaches, our strategies, we do ministry at arm's length. Mm-hmm. And and the results are at arm's length. That's not the way God deals with us. Mm-hmm. And, and again, getting back to the importance of building a, a, a relationship. How has this changed you, Deborah, and this transition from first going there and saying, these guys got to get out of here. Uh, what, what happened inside? What did God do inside of you through this experience? It's definitely made me look at people as a whole when I'm just out in public. I can just be shopping and see a dysfunctional family, and but I just see them now with more hurt and with more pain and more lacking Jesus. And I just, I'm a little bit more patient to the lady that's checking me out at the mm-hmm. counter and you know, I'm hurrying and she's got definitely a burden about her. I'm a little more patient with her because I don't know her story, but I can clearly tell that she's had a bad day or had a rough moment or life for mm-hmm. that matter. And it just has made me more aware of all the people around me and what they don't have if they don't have Jesus. And maybe that's why they're snippy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's why that driver flipped me off or whatever, because yeah. I don't know. And God gives you that peace. And that doesn't mean you have a great day all the time, but I definitely can look at not just street people now, but anybody in life and say, give them grace. Mm-hmm. It, it helps us see others through God's eyes yep. and his filters yep. as best we can yep. uh, versus our own, yep. our own filters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So here you sit, as you say, blonde haired, blue eyed, you look at Deborah and you know, this is a uh, mm-hmm. nice, nice lady, you know, the girl next door and turned a dragonfly out there, taken territory away from the enemy. Yeah. What would you say to the other women out there who may be like you, who may be in their nice houses with their white picket fences, having nice marriages, got nice children, and are just, you know, kind of turned off by some of the elements around them? What would you say to them as far as taking a first step to experience the richness of what God has in store for them? Well, it's funny you should ask. I've had a lot of clients ask me that where they've been inspired and they've said, but I'm still, I can't get out of the van or what if I have the kids with me? And you can kind of on different levels. Maybe if you do have the kids with you, you have little kids and you you can't jump out of the van, but maybe you can pack little things in your car with you, perishables, toiletry needs. And so you can take the kids with you and you can go, Hey guys, this guy over here is parked at McDonald's. He's sitting here asking for money, but let's get out. Let's see if we can meet his need and do it on a children's level and get them involved. But you definitely have to go with seeking the spirit first and saying, okay, God, do you, do I need to get out of the car here? Do I really need to talk and look this person in the eye or am I in danger? Or I, I just can't anywhere I'm out in town. Now, if I feel an approach of a, a homeless person, I'll say, okay, God, what do you got for me? Mm-hmm. Do I stop? 
do I go? And it's not about being in a hurry or having other things to do. It's just, am I safety? Is there an openness to my conversation here at this point? Just because I'm dragonfly doesn't mean I have to look at every person I see. I'd spend all day doing that. And, but I try to look for discernment from the Lord of now God is, is now a conversation open. And you know what? They're just people. And if you just stop and go, Hey, how's it going? How's your day? Boom. They, they look at you like, really? You care how my day was? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, homeless people are shocked when someone homed mm-hmm. speaks speaks to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say on on the picket fence level, you know, you got to go with discernment and prayer, and you got to if you have to take baby steps to make yourself immune to, then that's what you need to do. But if you're tenacious like myself and you just shake their hand, if you touch them, they go crazy. Yeah. If you shake their hand, they're just like, whoa. You broke the germ barrier, right. <laughs> the cootie barrier. You didn't have it, you know, and, and I hug them. I'm, I just, I don't have a fear of the cooties. It's if God asked me to hug them, God's not going to give me a cootie. So Deborah, you know there what? are They're denominations that don't hug each other. I right. Mean, you know, so this is, yeah. a, this is, mm-hmm. this is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I just meet, meet their need where they're at. And with a smile. Hi, how are you? I, you know, you can, I don't know if you've ever purposely not been looked at like you but you can sense when somebody is not looking at you. Oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like, uh, you know, folks walking down the street and if they walk past a mm-hmm. homeless first person, oftentimes you will purposely not want to engage with your eyes, mm-hmm. but what a gift it is, uh, to people who are so alone in their life yeah. just to give mm-hmm. eye contact. Yep. I mean, if that's a place to start, that's a place, yep. you know, yep. um, absolutely. Y- it's better to give yourself than money. Yeah, for sure. Uh huh. Yeah. And people ask me that all the time. Well, what if they ask for money? Do I give them money? And I say, I just go with the discernment. If God tells me and I have two bucks available easily in my purse that I can grab, it's just money. And what they do with it is not my problem. Mm. If they go get a drink, I'm not contributing. They're someone else is going to, too. But sometimes God will tell me, no, not right now. Mm-hmm. No, go meet their need. And I'll say, you know, hey, I got underwear in the car. Do you need anything? Do you need any socks? Because I carry all that in my trunk now. And so I'll meet their need in that way. Or I'll go buy them food. But it's not, no, don't ever give them money. I can't say yes or no on that. Because mm-hmm. some out there definitely are running to go get the next drink. You bet. Others of them, though, that I know literally are going to go get food. So I don't know. You have to go with the discernment of what your spider senses tell you, no, nope, this well, person's no good. And, and amazing, Chris, here is prayer <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. Pre- preceding the act that is so mm-hmm. important yep. because if God isn't in it, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's useless. Yeah. And, and you just so simply, I yeah, that. I just simply get, Hey God, okay. I see this person. What do you got for me? Should I? No. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, Part of the thing where Jesus says, "With without me, you can do nothing." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, all of our good deeds that are not infused by the presence of Christ. You know, you know what are they going to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And, and that really hits to what our motivation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if we're not going to the Lord first, it's about us mm-hmm. and making us feel good about serving. And, mm-hmm. and you don't sense that at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it then it turns when when you precede it. With prayer, it becomes an act of not just of obedience, but an act of love mm-hmm. vertically sure. mm-hmm. as well as mm-hmm. the human love horizontally. And I'll, I'll it, ask them when I'm out, you know, can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and my regulars will say, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll pray right at the moment. Or sometimes I'll say, is there something that you want me to pray for? I'll take home and pray for you, you know, and 
I'll take home their request and I'll pray for them at home. And I, I write their name on my hand. It's weird. <laughs> and when I'm out walking or running or whatever I'm doing, I just have their name on my hand and I remember that they have a need. This is who I'm praying for today. Deborah, you talked a little bit about uh, Philip. Is there another story that particularly has struck you out there in terms of how this person got to be where they are? Several. Yeah, several. Um, several, uh, two ladies that I serve now, unfortunately have been in abusive, um, husband relationships that led them to addiction that led them to then, you know, a loss of family and such. And, um, they, that's why they're out there on the street and that's just mind blowing, mm. um, to be a woman on the street. Mm. And, um, it's a violent, violent place for them. Big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. They give a lot up of themselves just to survive out there. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, um, a couple of them have just been a serious family. Um, ter- they started partying in high school. Parents got mad. Parents kicked them out. Parents moved them along. They wouldn't obey, so they lost everything. And uh, Ernie in particular is that guy. Parents are well off. Um, he went out and partied in high school. I'm sure there's more to what he did. I can- I'm not judging his parents in any way, shape, or form. Um, but then he took off on his own, and he's been homeless ever since. Wow. Then he's 44. Wow. Yeah. What do you say, um, you know, the common excuse for not helping the homeless community is, oh, well, they've just made bad choices and that's where they are. And I've heard a lot of Christians say that. Um, what do you say to that sentiment? What do you think about that? No, that's a tough one because we all make bad decisions. So right. by the grace of God, go I. Um yeah. I, I, that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, some of them really have been victims of their circumstance. One in particular, um, that I can think of, um, Ray, he's mom died of drug overdose. His dad died in prison at 14. So he's been left. He's 44 now at the hand of his siblings, taking care of him and being on the streets and various things. He's been literally wandering since he was 14 and he's Mm -hmm. 44. I don't know what Ray's hope is. I've taken him to Teen Challenge twice and he's defected. (laughs) So there's no answer to that either. I, I think I know them well. I, we have intimate, what I think conversations and he bugs me to go, go, go take me to Teen Challenge again. And then he hitchhikes and leaves. I, I don't know what that means. And part of me wants to get discouraged and say, really God, what was that all about? You know, what does that mean? And, Maybe I'm not being effective. Well, it's not me, you know, and if I really seek at that moment, especially with him, Ray telling me he wants to go, I really seek the Lord. Lord, does he really want to go? Should I take him? And I, I've both times felt very strongly that that's what I should have done and did. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I did at this point. Now he did hitchhike. He's gone. We don't know where he is. <laughs> so that's been very, um, interesting in my life to deal with that he left teen challenge three weeks ago well actually almost a month now and nobody knows where he Mm -hmm. is i've been in contact with his siblings and they say tell me not to worry that that's his life and that's what he does but that it's it's definitely been an interesting thing to deal with where is ray and i just pray for him constantly lord just keep your eye on the sparrow i mean who knows his story could turn out to be so cool in the end with Mm -hmm. this journey i don't know that nothing's cut and dry you just you never know. That's what I'm learning now is some people like Philip, you can put him in a program and they just fly. You gave him yeah. hope and, and he's had stumbles and he'd ha- he's had his things he's had to get over and still will and still does. But other people, I, I don't know. Why does, why did Ray want me to take him back there and leave? I don't yeah. know. I have no idea. 
Well, the, and that's the thing is the outcome isn't up to us. Yes, we just have to right. do our mm-hmm. faithful thing. Mm-hmm. And that is success. You can lead the horse to the water, but you can't <laughs> yeah. make him drink. It's, yeah. it's, I, they have to do, they have to have some part of ownership in their own recovery. They have to have, you, you can take them to all their appointments and we do that for a couple of them, my mom and I, and whether it's doctors or social security or things, we have ran all over this town for them. But if they don't do the 10% that they want to be there, yeah, I can't make it happen for them. Yeah. It's true that our, like our, our, we sort of have this pull yourself up by your own bootstraps mentality. However, none of us have done that. Mm-hmm. No. Like we have sure. all relied on the grace of other people mm-hmm. to help us yep. get to where we are. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's, there's no such thing as a self-made man. Nope. We, we need a community around us. Yep. Amen to that. For sure. Well, friends, you're listening to the Dragonfly Diaries here on uh, Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Deborah Perry is our guest. And I would imagine some of you are going, this is what I've been waiting for. This is so cool. And uh, would like to find uh, out more and perhaps get in touch with uh, Deborah. And let me ask you, Deborah, would you prefer people go through us here to connect with you or would you like them to contact you directly? What what would you, sure. how would you prefer? Either way is fine. Email would be great. Just send me an email and I can answer any questions. I don't know everything, but I can be great. as honest as I can about anything I know. Great. Let's put your uh, email address out there to the whole world. Here we to go. the whole right. world. Oh, gosh. Okay. Even Lower Slobovia. Even Lower Slobovia. We have fans in Lower Slobovia. Go ahead, Deborah. Blondie, B-L-O-N-D-I-E, 9915 at sbcglobal.net. That's a good one. Surprise, Tom. All right. It's Blondie, B-L-O-N-D-I-E, right? Blondie9915 at sbcglobal.net. Blondie9915 at sbcglobal.net. Again, Deborah Perry. And uh, if you'd uh, like to talk to her personally, give us a call here at 209-544-9571. We'd be happy to connect you with her. Again, that's 209 544 9571. As we uh, close our hour here, Deborah, how can folks pray for you in in this wonderful ministry area that God has uh, called you to? What what can we do to support you in prayer? Thank you. Um absolutely safety. I <laughs> I laugh at times when I uh, have breached a particular quote, fear I've had in my mind of necessarily how someone physically looks. Obviously, we have our pretenses, and I always thought, okay, guys with tattoos across their forehead, that's it. Then I talked to a guy with tattoos on his eyebrows. Like, that was, whoo! So, but for for safety for me out there, for sure, and discernment of, I still don't know where God's taking me on this journey. I don't know what he really ultimately has for me to contribute to through doing this, and I'm super excited to find that out. But for me, balance in my life is another important thing. I, I am a mom, I'm a wife, and I have a career, and um, I really want to balance this out and have good boundaries um, as I do this, but safety for sure. Great. <clears throat> Chris and I are great fans of that great scene in the future in Matthew 25 when uh, mm-hmm. Jesus separates the, the sheep from the goats and uh, lets the sheep know that when I was in the condition, you, you did it to me not not as if that were me and you are ministering to christ himself deborah wow. as you're out there wow thank Amen. you chris would you lead us in prayer for 
for Deborah. Yes. God, thanks so much for uh, Deborah and her family and uh, uh, a network of friends that through Deborah are, are looking to provide for uh, the downcast uh, in our community. Thanks for her life and her willingness. And Lord, we uh, together now pray for her safety uh, out in the parks and out on the street. Um, uh, God, would you just uh, um, help the men and the women that she's ministering to a sense of why she's give them a sense of why she's doing what she does, that she's representing you and, uh, and your love. God, let them feel your love through her and her family in the name of Jesus. Give her protection, provide for every need that she has. And, uh, thanks for her awesome example to all of us of, of, uh, what you can do in a community when you're available. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, thank you. Deborah Perry, you've been an inspiration. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you and for having me. Keep on keeping it on. Thank you. And Lord bless you in that effort. Again, to get hold of Deborah by email, it's Blondie9915, Blondie9915 at sbcglobal.net. Or if you'd like to contact by phone, call us here at our office, 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. And uh, for... Chris Whitler and Al Ramsey and Brenda, and especially for you, Deborah, thanks for joining us this afternoon on Lighthouse Live. And I would, all I can say in summing this up is go thou and do likewise. Amen. Amen. See you next time.